Welcome back to Konania on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Warren Stewart Jr. filling in for Tom Brown. And today we're talking about race relations. And we just left a segment about the perception of the church to the world, uh, which is so key. Um, I want to read a quote. I read. I started off with a quote from Dr. King. I want to read another quote from A Tough Mind and a Tender Heart. That's about justice. And then um, actually before that quote, I, I actually read uh, or, or just quote Psalm 89 verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. And if that is the foundation of God's th- throne, then his church should look like that. Yeah. And so the, the quote from Dr. King, a tough heart and a tender, uh, I mean, a tough mind and a tender heart. It says, at times we need to know that the Lord is a God of justice. When slumbering giants of injustice emerge in the earth, we need to know that there is a God of power who can cut them down like the grass and leave them withering like the Greek herb. When our most tireless efforts fail to stop the surging sweep of oppression, we need to know that in this universe is a God whose matchless strength is a fit contrast to the sordid weakness of man. But there, is a, but there are also times when we need to know that God possesses love and mercy. When we are staggered by the chilly winds of adversity and battered by the raging storms of disappointment, and when through our folly and sin we stray into some destructive far country and are frustrated because of a strange feeling of homesickness, we need to know that there is someone who loves us, cares for us, understands us, and will give us another chance. When days grow dark and nights grow weary, we can be thankful that our God combines in his nature a creative synthesis of love and justice that will lead us through life's dark valleys and into sunlit pathways of hope and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. His words still ring true to this day. God is a lover of justice. The word of God says that over and over again. And God sent a great prophet to try to unify the nation and the world. And now that he is gone, who else will stand up? See, I believe that the model of Dr. King in which he did and he led this movement, of course, he did not do it by himself. But I don't think that there can just be one voice who can speak to this. It has to be a plethora of multiple, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural voices that have the heart of God and are willing to stand in the face of adversity from their friends, from their denominations, from their churches, from their organizations, and say, this is what God has designed. And, and it is a cost to stand on the side of racial uh, unity and, and injustice uh, issue. So we need to be able to count that cost. And even in Phoenix, the, the, the white inv- evangelicals stood with Latinos in Phoenix on immigration reform. Mm-hmm. But with African-American, African-Americans on these historical systemic injustices in Phoenix, we have not seen no. that same response no. with white evangelicals. And Sandy, yeah, Warren, you speaking know, to that. Your, your father, you know, is, uh, has been a, a, a prophet, Warren Stewart Sr. He's mm-hmm. the one that helped us get Martin Luther King Holiday back after yeah. we embarrassed ourselves with the nation. And yeah. he's, a, he's a wonderful brother. I love him. And uh, 
you know, he was at the forefront mm-hmm. with the evangelical community on the immigration issue, right. which to me, just the humility mm-hmm. of him to not say, you know, when do we get ours, but yeah. just laid down all his uh, experience of deprivation and said, mm-hmm. I'm going to stand with these folks. This yeah. is a justice issue. And that that was so powerful to mm-hmm. me to watch that. Yes. You know, it, uh, we talked about repentance and uh, Linda said, you know, repentance has to happen. And uh, as a white pastor, we mm-hmm. spend too much time talking about uh, personal comfort and peace. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the books that sell in our bookstores, and it's all yeah. about personal comfort, uh, how to pad your 401k, mm-hmm. how to make your marriage work, how to get your kids to just turn out right. And right. And, and there's just nothing there on issues of righteousness and mm-hmm. justice. And, mm-hmm. and yet these verses that you read, mm-hmm. you know, and you go through uh, the heart of Christ, and you mm-hmm. go through Amos and Hosea and Isaiah, and and God's heart is for justice and yeah. righteousness. That's what yeah. uh, moves him. That's his passion, and not my personal happiness. And so, as a pastor, I need to repent that I I mm-hmm. got sucked into that of mm-hmm. uh, preaching to the the felt needs of my people rather mm-hmm. than the the biblical call to yes. be people who stand against injustice and. Uh, I am so encouraged that there are young believers, black yes. and white and brown, that yes. are hungry for this and want a church that matters yes. and want a church that has a prophetic voice and mm-hmm. involved in things that really matter. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm encouraged for Phoenix Warren. Yeah. So don't blow it, brother. I'm yeah. <laughs> well, we, we definitely won't. You said that at the meeting, and and you, you also said that we, or, or, or well, white evangelicals, did not need to speak on these issues, but we needed to allow people of color to speak to these issues and so and support that. So so how would you, uh, as a white pastor, call white churches and white brothers and sisters to stand with us? How would you do that? what would what would be your appeal? You made several, but if you could say it again and if 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 anybody's just tuning in, yeah, I, I just think it. It'll go congregation by congregation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm already sitting here thinking, boy, I want these two people in my church. You yeah. know, I'd love to have you guys yeah. on the platform some Sunday with me where I could interview wow. you and, and our people could hear what life looks like from yeah. your side of the church wow. and uh, and just begin to open their eyes. Uh, it, it's safe. It's in our church. Our pastor's there. This mm-hmm. isn't about name-calling. It's about understanding and honoring yeah. Christ. And yeah. uh that's what I would ask, you know, my white pastor brothers mm-hmm. is uh, let's let's get to know one another. Mm-hmm. Let's take mm-hmm. some of our our elders we call our shepherds. And, yeah. uh, let's go down to Warren's church and yeah. worship. You yeah. know, let's mm-hmm. go to Linda's church and yeah. worship mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hang out and start yeah. building relationships of yes. understanding. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Linda. That is so needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs to be from an equal relationship standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, when we do have mm-hmm. white churches to come into our community or to partner with us in a project, mm-hmm. it needs to be understood that it's from an equal footing. Yeah. Um, very often there's a condescension into right. our neighborhoods. We're coming to help you, Linda. Yes, yeah. because we just can't mm-hmm. seem to get it together. <laughs> right, right. Um, and and so so what I what I would encourage and what our church does, we we believe in partnering. Mm-hmm. We believe in collaboration. 
um, because nobody's got the whole story. I don't care how much you know. Yeah. And I don't care what your ethnicity is. Mm -hmm. Nobody has the whole picture. That's right. When we get to glory, I believe the Lord's going to reward us for what we did, Mm -hmm. but he's also going to show us what we missed Mm -hmm. because nobody has the whole picture of our denominational uh, doctrines and all that stuff. If if it were so, there would just still be just one church. Yeah. yeah. So that being said, I would love to see cross-pollination. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had Anglo people to come, pastors uh, mm-hmm. from um, Valley Press have, have spoken in our pulpit. Mm-hmm. Warren, you've spoken in our pulpit. Mm-hmm. And, and you're of a different, quote, denomination. Right, yeah. Okay, Um, so, but here's the thing. The people who were in the pews who who were there every week Mm -hmm. were holding on to their seats. (laughs) And I I wanted to tell them, fasten your seatbelts, because it's going to happen again. This is what needs to happen. When uh, I have spoken at various churches at at various times, Mm -hmm. there's um, almost a turnoff. Yeah. You know, people seem to expect something from me, mm-hmm. and when they don't get what they expect, mm-hmm. I guess the the typical um, ministry right. type, mm-hmm. when they don't get what they expect and they instead get something that says, well, you've got to walk the word out and it has no color and it has no social status and, you know, Jesus didn't do it that way, um, people are uncomfortable with that. Yeah. We want what we believe to be true and what we interpret the Bible to be from our own standpoint. Right. Yes. Yeah. That that is good because we do read the Bible through our own lens yes. instead of a biblical lens, which yes. is why we started out with a theological foundation for this all. All are made in the image and likeness of God. Yes. And, and and it doesn't matter if they're in the crack house or a trap house, or you probably don't know that, but that's some hip hop language. Um, uh, trap houses where where they sell drugs. It's the new crack house, uh, or the White House, mm-hmm. or the rich house. It doesn't matter. Right. Every single person, no matter where their situation is, they're made in the image of God. And if we can, if we would value humanity, yes, at a just human level. Let's not even get religious. If we just value humans on the level that God created these beings and they are from, we are from the same, we created by the same God. Can we look to them and say, how can I lift you and edify you and love you into the point that you know that you're made in his image and likeness, whether you talk like me or not. And then how about we share? We do come to, uh, like Jesus did. Jesus was not a commuter Christ. Right. He lived in the situation. He yeah. grew up in the hood of Nazareth. And yeah. they said, could anything good come out of right. Nazareth? That's right. why I just wish Jesus was here. <laughs> I just wish he would just show up one time in South Phoenix <laughs> and just do something phenomenal and be yes. like, yeah, you didn't think he can come from the hood. But I preached this message called this good that can come from the hood. Yes. And Jesus was that. Yeah. He came yeah. for the poor when everyone was looking over the poor. He understood right. the plight of people. Yes. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to these brokenhearted, to bind up these people that have been broken, set the oppressed free, open blind eyes and deaf ears. And I don't think we're preaching that full gospel because there's people in our churches that are still deaf. 
and still blind and still bound. And the gospel has to liberate us into a place that we go liberate others. Right. So uh, that was, you know, that was a great segment. Listen, we have one more short segment where we can get our final thoughts. I'm so thankful to have Sandy Mason and Linda Morris here with us on Faith Talk. I'm Warren Stewart, Jr. Hopefully you have been blessed and encouraged and moved to mission after hearing some of these thoughts and conversations today. Um, So we will be back after this short break on Faith Talk. 